Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm alongside Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. We're recording another podcast, week three. Well, week three of the podcast, week one of the NBA, NBA season. season. Yep. It's off and running now. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, did you get to watch a lot of basketball this weekend? I got to watch a handful, maybe almost 10 games. So yeah, I've been trying to keep up a lot. That's pretty good. That's better than me. Yeah. I mean, it shows, it shows in our... Um, uh, 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 predictions from last week, which we'll get to oh, yeah. later in the podcast. <laughs> um, and a quick reminder before we jump right into the show: make sure you're following us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. We've been tweeting a lot from there. We've had over a hundred tweets, and we've only yeah. had the account for like two weeks. So yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, follow us on there. We threw up a couple polls this past week, which was which was also fun. So thank you for following us on there, and thank you for listening to the podcast. And if there's another platform you'd like to see us on, please hit us up on Twitter at NBA Cap. Episode two, we we talked about off season uh, moves and trades and sign week. Um, we kind of talked about big moves from the East and West. Man, a bit just for. Nothing else than opportunity, and he came through in game Man, one for he, me. <laughs> he, that got everyone moved out of the line. It was gorgeous. I was like, oh my god, Houston's kicking themselves right yep. now. And uh, Julius Randle, man. That he's kind of had a good, out. Yeah, good week one. Yep, we'll get to New Orleans in a bit. But yeah, he's done fantastic. Again, I harped on the Lakers. Why'd you just let him walk? And again, just proven me right there. For the right meme there. squad. Yep. I mean, yeah, you got Michael Beasley instead. So, yay you. Um, and then on that Jimmy Butler bit, we did some trade machine there. Oh, yeah, um, that was fun. Loved it. Uh, still on the Timberwolves. Um, but... You know, who knows? He's so playing, kind of. When he... Uh, we'll get to this here in a second, I guess. But, like, when he, I saw Woj tweet out that he was resting, I was like... <gasps> Does that he, mean he's trading? Is he getting traded? <laughs> is it? Like, it's kind of early he in this... Pa- he didn't do preseason. That's the idea. Is he needs to get a little warmed up. But, sure. Like you said, we'll get to that. And then in games of the NBA went... Um, Not good for me. <laughs> I, I did pretty well. You... Things, but, <laughs> you know... Uh, Once money gets to things, it gets a little bit scarier. But as you like to say, scared money don't make none. Exactly. That's right. So, Matt, um, I talked to you a little bit about this off the podcast. Like, uh, off air. Five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. (laughs) This is kind of a, uh, I'm springing this on you. So, if you go to NBA.com and go to Advanced Stats, which is all, all, this podcast, maybe favorite portion of the NBA.com website. Yes. Um, But... Because the minutes aren't quite there to for these calculations to work out correctly, some of these advanced stats are just all over the place, yeah. and some randos are at the top of the list who shouldn't be. So I'm gonna well, this is gonna be an every year thing from now on. Is I'm gonna quiz you on who's on leading, week one on week one leaders in advanced analytics and some of the ca- ca- categories, not all of them, because man. There's some fun ones here. Okay. There's some fun ones here. Okay. Are you ready? Why not? All right. So, who is leading the league in offensive rating right now? Who is leading the league? So, like, here's my thing is so many teams have been scoring, like, 140 points right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go with Nikola Miritich. 
You are incorrect, sir. It is Doug McDermott <laughs> with a score of 389.3. Jesus, Doug McDermott. I mean, hey, you're on like a $7 million a year contract. Shout out Indiana. Yeah. Um, and I think that number is another fun one that I don't think you're going to get. Okay. Um, defensive rating. Who's leading the league currently in defensive rating? Well, again, kind of that whole point of like everyone's giving up 140 points. Right. Um, Correct on this one. Um, Paul Millsap. With right. 156, because they get only gave up a bunch against Denver. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The uh, second surprising one, um, Jamal Murray. Fun two is Boban Marjanovic. Yeah. Boban. Again, same game. Yeah, same game. Same game. Denver really, Clippers. Really, really funny. Um, okay. Um, so this is going to be a little little weird, but this is going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a funnier one. Okay. So who is second in the league in assist ratio right now? Um, second in the league in assist ratio. Yep. Uh, let's go. I'm just scrolling through. I'm. I just have a feeling it's a big man. I all these. I just feel like a big man is like the wrong answer. Uh-huh. So I'm just guessing it. Um, let's go. I mean, I'm asking you from a big pool of players. Let no, me. I let know. me. Na- narrow Can you give down. me a conference? Yeah. On this East, one? East. So. Uh, Oh, heck, I don't know. Um, Ennis Cantor. Oh, uh, is Ryan Archidiacono from Villanova fame. Yeah. Right now is 130.3. Uh, ben Simmons is leading the league, but I was afraid you were going to get that. Yeah. So I kind of kind of skirted Ryan that one Archie a little bit. He's playing like legit backup point guard minutes for the Bulls, which is very concerning. But for what they're trying to do, it's very good. Yeah. So I, I mean, they look good the other night against Sixers, kind of. Bobby yeah. Portis kind of looked good. Bobby Portis looked good. Zach Levine is, like, I kind of hated all over that signing, but so far he's making me look wrong. Okay. Just wait until Christmas. I'll say, give it a little bit of time, but... Week one. Week, week one. one. Okay, so this is... Um, the last one we're gonna do. Okay. Um, so, who leagues the league in pace? Are we looking for a team here? No. Or a, or player. A player. Individual player. Individual player. Do, do um. Let's go with Devin Booker. Nope. Tyus Jones from Minnesota. <laughs> I love Tyus guy. Jones. That's I am on the Tyus Jones bandwagon, so I'll latch on to that. Hit. Shout out Tyus Jones, your third string point guard up in Minnesota. Okay, that's legit the last one, because this I this is kind of... It's, it's in your alley. All right, okay. that's all I'm going to say. Offensive rebound percentage. So this is a player yeah. as well. Yeah. Um... Aaron Baines. Yeah, you got it! He's just a bruiser, and I watched that Toronto game, and that man just annihilates people. Yeah. He's a Viking. 56.9%. He is. But they've only played three games. So that is year one of... There it is. Palooza, what have you. Um, I'm glad I got one. Yeah, you got one. That was serious stuff here. (laughs) What we made this We can't do an hour of advanced statistics (laughs) guessing. (laughs) with me. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, NBA news. So let's let's. I mean, there's been it's week one of the NBA, and yeah. there's been a lot that's happened. Everyone's got two or three games under their belt, and the first thing I put into our outline for this one is there have been so many game-winning mm. shots already, buzzer beater or last ten seconds is kind of what I consider for game winners. So on Wednesday, Giannis hitting free throws 
That's my against, boy. MVP. Yeah, against the Hornets. Sunk Kimba's 41 in that game. Uh, that was quite a comeback. But Giannis hit the clutch free throws. Thursday, Kelly Olenek in the heat uh, with that tip in to beat the Wizards, which no one said it. That Dwayne Wade shot was terrible. That was an <laughs> ugly look. It did not look good. That was, this was my last season. Yep. I'm trying to beat I don't you. care. And lay up to beat the Knicks, 107-105. And then one of my personal favorites that night was mm-hmm. the ball in against the Jazz to get His old thun- team. I know, to get the uh, Warriors that win. I'm all on Jarebko. He used to play for the Celtics before yeah. the Jazz. I loved having him on the team. Okay, so on Karis LeVert, um, I was thinking Friday night and Saturday morning, what if I picked the wrong Nets player to get, win most improved? Karis LeVert's a baller. He, I was looking at his stats. He's gone from like eight, 8 points to 12 points per game yeah. last season and then 24 points this season. Yeah. Granted, it's only three three games. But yeah. if you're making that kind of jump, that puts you in the category well, for the most kinda, improved. Like, he's just kind of taken over for what they wanted D'Angelo Russell to be. Right. And it was weird because when he came out of Michigan a couple years ago, he was like this weird point, small and skinny there. Uh, you're like, I guess he's a guard. And he just kind of was at first more, and he's much better at getting to the rim. He looks legit this year, yep. for whatever that's worth. Saturday, uh, you had the Tatum turnaround Oof. against the Knicks. That classic Kobe move, Oof. just dagger. Um, J.J. Reddick saved the 76ers with a three against the Magic. Ish Smith hit a runner against the Bulls. Um, that was a weird game. That was a really weird game. <laughs> I don't recommend him going back to rewatch that. Um Kimba hit a clutch free throw uh, to beat the Heat, get his revenge there. And then Dennis Smith Jr. with a dirty step back against the Timberwolves. Um, He pushed off against Derrick Rose, (laughs) but he sunk it nonetheless. Uh, So a lot of game winners. Derrick Rose had like, what, 30 points? That dude. 28 points? He's so weird to watch. Like, I can't watch Timberwolves basketball. And it's not the Jimmy thing. It's just like, it's Tom Thibodeau. For me, but the fact that I know Jimmy wasn't playing, that was his rest game that right. we were alluding to earlier. So Rose, I think he got the start in that one. You know what? No, I don't think he did. I think Josh Koji got the start. But he played so many minutes. He played starter minutes and it was just getting buckets at will. I mean, it's going against Wes Matthews. So, like, and Luka Doncic, Jim Smith Jr., not exactly. A lockdown. From, yeah. yeah. So there's that. But at the same time, like, there's no reason Derrick Rose should be going for 30-plus points in an NBA game at this point, but he did. So I guess Derrick Rose on a minimum contract is really good value for the Timberwolves, but what the heck? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was just really weird to me. Yeah, Dave Smith Jr. tried to make me look smart by picking that bullfight. <laughs> um, and this was kind of crazy. Like, We haven't had a good fight in a while watching that. Not, not close to that. Um... But there was Spitgate this morning on Twitter. CP3 on accent. The answer's no. Rondo spit on yeah. I think Rondo spit on it. So, ears. not necessarily a surprise. But My favorite part of that whole fight, and, and a lot of people don't like it. Randomly coming in. Running in, in from the back and just throwing the hammer down. He, he was so mad at James Harden. Which is weird because we haven't seen this at all from Brandon Ingram these first couple years of his career. But he was coming in hot for that and that's just so weird to see but at the same time I was super pumped about it because that's what I wanted from him was like 
he has this skill, he has this obvious talent, he can put the ball in the bucket, but I need him to show me some more like, I'm going to be a leader on this team, and he did. I mean, I, I know fighting is not necessarily what we should be encouraging on this pod, right? but the fact that he's like, I'm sticking up for my dude, and I'm not... And especially CP3, I'm going to stick up to him and Melo and whoever else was over there. I super appreciated that from Brandon Ingram. And yeah. I think LeBron recognizes that too. Well, it, it shows some fight, which we haven't seen out of the Lakers in God knows how long. Yeah, it's been a bit. Since, since Kobe left. Um, that's kind of like what this team needs. Like, it, it doesn't need Lance shenanigans, ter- like thinking he hit a three. Yeah. 360 on the sideline and, and then airballing. Yeah. Or Alonzo taking long threes and airballing them. Yeah. Um, and Ingram is the, can be the second best player on this team. You don't think he is the second best player on this team right now? Who is the second best player? I was saying, is he the second best player on this, on this current Lakers team by default? Maybe. I think so. And it's just because, I mean, if you start ranking the other or looking even at the other candidates. That's true. I mean, you're getting into Lonzo and Rondo, Lance, JaVale, Beasley, Kuzma, Hart. I like a lot of those players. I don't like all those players, but I like a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's no other clear-cut second best. Right. Maybe some of those players, other young players could surpass Brandon Ingram. But by far, it's it has to be Brandon. Ingram. Yeah, I so, guess that's true. I hadn't really thought about that. That says a lot about those Lakers roster. Yeah, though. he's probably not ready. But for a mid-level playoff team, he can be your number two. I'm sure. So him still trying to learn everyone's game on that team and trying to figure out all the nuances of what realizing when like you just gotta let Rondo have the ball and let him dictate the offense. They're still figuring all that out. So. I don't think the suspension part that we just added on is too big of a deal, but I think the attitude and setting a tone and showing you are a you know active participant in this team and you'll fight for this team. Yeah. In this case, literally. That, that does a lot for a lot. Yeah, of them, I, I think. think it does, especially early on in the season. Um, I mean, it's better than like Rondo just getting swarmed by all the Rockets players and exactly. him being left by himself. Exactly. Um, and I think that's will speak a lot to Rondo as well. Um. Yeah, and then there were some players resting. We kind of alluded to this earlier um, with Butler, but Kawhi rested. Yeah, and Hayward. I kind of, the Hayward thing makes sense. Um, did you read Zach Lowe's story on Hayward? And I haven't like, got to yet. No. Um, so it was kind of interesting to hear about like his setback in terms of um, his surgery in yeah. May. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it kind of makes sense. They're going to be super cautious, especially with these more back spasms, whatever, back issues. So, um, it makes sense to be cautious with him, but also resting quiet and, you know, the, the Toronto could be easily the second best team. Late, we'll get to that later. Yeah. But Toronto could be the second best team in the East, and you don't want Kawhi to re-aggravate whatever happened and then yeah. have a San Antonio part two. Well, I think Toronto. that's a smart thing, and I have no idea if that was a Kawhi decision, if that was a Toronto decision. Either way, I think it's honestly pretty smart. Like, not rushing him into things, just letting it's outside of Danny Green. He's right. still getting to know them. So he he doesn't have that commitment. Knowing that they they have a goal of trying to keep him in Toronto, mm-hmm. if he was the one who said it, then they definitely need to you know be on board with it. So I appreciated them uh, resting him. They still were able to knock off Washington uh, without Kawhi. I think that was pretty smart. Um, on a back-to-back. Right. So uh, maybe that's just it. It's the first back-to-back of the year. You were just trying to be precautious from the team side. 
and all still went well. Yeah. Same do idea you, on Boston. Do you think Boston, because they have this depth, do you think Boston will do that more with their stars? Like, saying Tatum, you take an, whatever, every other back-to-back we have, you take it off, and Hayward will play. Or vice versa with, like, Jalen Brown. Or, kind of rotating uh, who takes the back-to-back. Yeah, and you don't yeah. necessarily feel like you have to play Irving in yeah. 82 games. Yeah, and... For them, more than sixty to seventy games, assuming Which is smart. assuming they're you know generally healthy. For it is in eighty two games, you're guaranteed to miss somewhere like two to five games minimum, almost. Yeah. The depth you're talking about, I could see them. You know, what, let's make it four to seven games instead of just like the normal. T- or yeah. Jalen Brown against Orlando. There's, there's not going to be a set of games in Boston's schedule back if they did have a tight hamstring or just something like that pops up. And even Gordon Hayward and Kyrie don't just say like you know what we got. Jalen Brown, Tatum, Rozier, Smart, we're good. Brad Stevens' biggest issue is managing minutes and managing games for those wings. He has the depth to do it. And like you said, they probably will. I'm curious as to see how consistent this is or what kind of system they have in place for that idea. Because it's a smart one. It's yeah. just you've got to manage it right. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you see anybody else? Like, I think Russ is kind of in that category. Like, he's yeah. coming back from an injury. Maybe the Thunder have to fight for more games than in the, than they do. In the like, a, a team in the East does, yeah. like Boston. So maybe they don't have that luxury quite as often. Yeah. But um, Schroeder has shown in the first two games when Russ didn't play some some signs of being able to he's, step in. He's a junior. CP3 down in Houston will take Harden. some games off. Yeah, Harden will probably take a few. Like, two weeks in February. I'm sure, yeah. You know, that'll happen. Um, I could see some if some of these teams are struggling a little bit more that something like a uh, a Mike Conley or Mark Gasol, if Memphis isn't, you know, necessarily in the playoff picture, mm. that, you know, they're trying to save their legs, save their contracts a little bit. I could see teams like that um, with those stars having to rest guys that maybe they don't want to. Maybe they would want to keep fighting, but the guys recognize the importance of the contract or the importance of, you know, the upcoming contracts they have. So I can see some situations like that. Um, I don't, I'm personally not a rest guy unless you actually are injured. Yeah. I'm cool with taking extra time if you're hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I recognize 82 games is a lot and four to 20 games, depending on how far you go, you got to be prepared for four to 20 games extra. So I totally get the idea of resting and I'm not going to knock a team for doing it. Um, but unless a, it's a star with serious injury history, you know, I, I want to see the guys on the floor. Yeah. So I get that. We'll have to talk about that on a podcast because I'm pro rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to see the NBA handle that a little bit differently. So that's, that's a future podcast. Topic. I just have other alternatives for rest. Oh but yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. One. Right. But right now we'll move on. To our week one overreactions, because yes. who doesn't love some week one overreactions? I'm, I'm very excited for this, because our takes, your takes might be better than mine, because yeah. I had to brew on mine for a little bit, but um, let's get started. Let's take our uh, positive overreactions for week one, Matt. Yeah. You get us started. So, the first one I wrote down, and this was after the uh, Boston-Toronto game, uh, or no, it was after the Boston-Philly game was Jason Tatum is a bona fide star. Mm. And this is where it gets hot. 
he needs to be the number one option on the Celtics. So you think more than Irving, more than a healthy Hayward, Yeah, it's him. It's running through He him. needs to be the number one option on this team. He needs to be getting the most touches. Uh, I, you know, you had your advanced stats, a yep. little quiz for me at the beginning, so I didn't have the chance before the pod to look into something I was wanting to, but I do know that in that first game uh, of Philly versus Boston, when Jason Hay- or when Jason Tatum was looking just phenomenal, he had 59 touches that entire game. Ben Simmons was well over 100. Joel Embiid almost hit 100. You can't be having Jason 59 area on total touches for a game, and he still went for 20 plus points and looked like the best player on the court. So he's getting half or two thirds as many touches as he should be getting and still dominating a team that's supposed to be a top three team in the East. Jason Tatum's a bona fide star, and if Brad Stevens knows what he's doing, which I think Brad Stevens knows what he's doing, he'll try and get him more involved. That's kind of why I was discouraged uh, with the Toronto game was it just felt like Jason Tatum was over in the corner or sitting mm-hmm. on the bench, and he would take some shots, and he, I think he ended that game with 16, but it was felt like some good garbage time shots, and it didn't feel like it was in the flow of an offense. It was just oh, crud, we need someone to take a shot right now, uh, Tatum. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Jason Tatum needs to be the featured uh, main... I, I don't disagree with you about him being the number one option because, my lord, does he have some Kobe Bryant <laughs> a little bit off air about this, but that that back down and fade away, he hit over to so- just like polish his game so much from one summer to the next and i can't think of a person impressed with like i i like i like um ben simmons if you think but i feel like tatum is the dude i would take right now out of those three to start an nba franchise with right like yeah he like, just that's, is that's like he just thing. has such a complete offensive game already and he's a pretty good defender he's yeah. not bad he definitely has a size yeah so here's my thing about your ben simmons comparison so how many minutes do you think Ben Simmons played in that game, that first game? Just off the top of my head without looking, yeah. what, like 35? He played 43 minutes. Yeah. And Joel Embiid played 37, compared to Tatum's 29. See, that, there's another problem for me. Is <laughs> He's not Jason playing. Tatum shouldn't be playing 29 but, minutes a game. But my th- uh, counter-argument to that is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have a history of getting injured. Yeah. So pushing them in the first game to 43 and 37 minutes. They have Amir Johnson coming off the bench for 11 minutes. Like, TJ McConnell for 22, and I'll take about that later. About whether Fultz should be starting or not. Mm. Yes, that is something very much to discuss. But, like, just watching those, you bring up Fultz, watching Fultz and Tatum on the court at the same time, it doesn't look like it's Could you imagine a lineup of Simmons, Embiid, and Tatum? That's so different. That clearly, I think, would put Philly... At the same level as this Boston team, you know, if you just swap Fultz and Tatum, or maybe even a step ahead. Like, yeah. Tatum is that good, and obviously me saying that he should be the number one option, he's that good. And, man, Philly would be so... And you can't just second-guess these things. Like, I mean, we can. Yeah, but hindsight 2020, yeah, right? Yeah, because we're not Brian Colangelo, but, like, we can do these things running the East for the next 10 years. That's a Golden State Warrior core right it there. Um, that's a Curry. Um... That sets up your future extremely well. It does. Um, but T- Jason Tatum and LeBron James were on the same team. Oh, God. And just with Tatum working with Kobe, I think like 
they would just be like 1A, 1B, and that How many city times do you think Kobe has called Matt Magic and said, you screwed up on this over I the told summer? You. Be like, I told you, I told you, yeah. and he's right. Get Kobe in the front office. I there. feel like Tatum kind of went under the radar in that draft. He did. It's funny. Because Fultz and um, Lonzo were such, these such big, like... Names. like names. In, They were entities, almost. Like, these right. higher beings compared to everyone else. And it's funny you bring that up, because, like, I was on fall break uh, this past week, and so I was back in Missouri visiting family, and I was just going through some old files, just cleaning some stuff out, and I found my old mock draft for that year, <laughs> and I didn't have... I think I had Josh Jackson ahead of Jason Tatum. And the reason I had wrote down was I believe in the defense. I would take Tatum, but I think the Celtics will take Josh Jackson. And I'm so glad they didn't because that would be a disaster. And same idea. Could you imagine Phoenix with Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, DeAndre Ayton? Mm. Like that's a team and just as much as Philly is not quite as developed yet. But that same type of idea, and that would be bonkers, too. I think in, like, maybe with, within this year, we'll have to do a podcast on what if with these last couple of yeah. drafts, just to see what could have happened. Because, man, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. All right, I'm going to give you one of my hot takes now. Okay, do it. That's dangerous. <laughs> this is this is a hot take I'm for like, a century. I haven't read this at all, so like this, is, I didn't want to... Spicy. <laughs> that's This is a hot take for, for the ages. I was looking at simply. Granted, they haven't played some great teams. If Jokic doesn't, can Clint Capella guard him out to the three point line? No. Can no. any center in the West I play? Play in this for a couple of years. Like he is the clear leader on that team, and it wasn't until the end of if last year that he really taking it to people and just like stepping up his game mm-hmm. and just being aggressive. Like I don't. This Nuggets team is a top three team. Well, that's the, the thing. Like, I just started thinking, like, who are like the dominant centers in the West? Boogie? And I'm thinking, okay, Boogie in theory would be able to, but you know, who knows if that'll actually happen? And then there's like Stephen Adams, who's a really good defender, but he's not guarding out to the three point line. And that pick and roll tough. with Jamal Murray, yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna switch? You can't switch a guard onto Jokic. He's gonna take advantage of that. Yeah. No, Hills pass it back. Or find the mismatch inside. Wherever it is, Jokic is really good about finding the mismatch, whether it's he's the one shooting the ball or not. I mean, it's very seriously, it's Anthony Davis. That's about the only option for defense that far out in the West. Because even Rudy Gobert has trouble out that far. Right. And I know it's a big man, but like that's really it. DeAndre Jordan's not going to get that done. I'm not seeing really... Marcus Gasol's at this age isn't getting that done. I know Sacramento... We'll run out four centers, <laughs> so you think one of them could do it, but... Willie Cauley-Stein's not doing it. There's Just no the thing, options. My thing is, Jokic is so diverse and is... Like, yeah, he's not great defensively, but he's going to cause you such a headache on the offensive end that I'm okay giving up whatever on the defensive end to get his offensive pop. Well, like, and the thing is, like, he's... Yeah, he's not a good defender, I would say, still, but at least he knows where to be and understand everything right. on the floor that then he thinks about it too much and doesn't just get that out of him and be like, just handle your thing right now on defense. I'm not saying he'll be a good defender. I'm not saying that's a good NBA defensive center, or at least average. You can figure out the pick and roll. And um, I think Paul Millsap being healthy, if he can stay healthy for this full season, that's episode one. I love the Isaiah Thomas signing Yeah, because it's just gravy. 
Like it he, is. he's if man, oh my god, yeah. what are you gonna do with all this talent? Exactly. Then you start getting into the problems of like how do you balance the minutes, but then you just Whatever. bank on Coach Malone figuring that out. Right. And this also on the flip side kind of is a knock against the Rockets. Yeah, they it did, is. They did the not backhanded compliment. They did not look good against the Pelicans. Oh man, no, they did not. They gave up a hundred what, thirty one points to the Pelicans on opening night? I think so. Oof. Um, I'm not saying, like, the Pelicans are bad offensively. Like, they had a two really good offensive nights. I would say they are insane. They put up 149 then against the Kings after that. But, like, at some point, you're going to have to defend. James Harden can't score 36. He had six turnovers last night against the Lakers. Against not a great defensive Lakers yeah. team. Chris Paul is okay. Melo is still super inefficient. I texted you about this. Like people have fallen this for two straight seasons. Melo is not changing this late in his career. Yeah. He's not taking threes. He's not efficient. And he he was like last night. He was three of ten, uh, like ten rebounds and nine points or something yeah. like that. Not good. No, it's just not. not good. And he's like we've said before. He's not going to help the defense either. So someone else has to pick up that defensive slack. It's not going to be James Harden. And Chris Paul can only play so many minutes. And even so, he can only guard it was so many positions. Last night, for the most part, against the Lakers. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't find that encouraging for the Houston Rockets. Right, that's my point. Is that like you should be who exactly is on the team? I'm sure LeBron's still trying to like who is that nice guy on the bench? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and, and that's concerning as a. And I just think from what I've seen from the Nuggets and what I've seen even for regular season record. That could make sense. They could, the Nuggets could be a top like I I picked the Jazz in that top tier like we had talked about. Yeah, they they, they might be taking I over was on for that the Nuggets Jazz train. So you can, feel free to hop aboard. I I might be being the conductor by the end of this podcast. <laughs> we'll see. All right, give me your second hot take. So this one's hard. So we're we're recording this on Sunday night. So that means that. Right before we started, the Oklahoma City Thunder dropped their home opener to the Sacramento Kings. Woo! Good start to the season. 0-3, oh, baby. And it, like, that's just really painful. 131 points. Because I'm trying to, like, give Oklahoma City some credit here, and they're just not helping me out. Yeah, 131 to 120. That God, you can't give up 131 to the I'm Kings. more encouraged by that 120, honestly, because it did not look good in the first couple of games. That you shouldn't, yeah, you shouldn't even put up 120, but like you gave up 26 points to Amon Shumpert. So, Oof. retire everyone. Oof. Um, but, so my hot take, and I'll stand by it, I'm fine with this. Um, in terms of talent, the Thunder are definitely, clearly, a top three seed in the Western Conference. So... I know this is Russ's first game back. He missed the first two, that knee procedure. Still wanted to come back from it. That's fine. Also uh, a triple-double tonight. Yeah, he did. I think he had, like, what, eight assists? Yeah. So he's a couple short. Uh, didn't he go for 30-plus, too? 36, maybe? 36. 32, I'm thinking, like, something? 36, 12, and 8. Yeah. Just sounds right to me. Anyway, um, between him, we know Paul George is a star. He hasn't shot the ball super well, but he's One a star. One of eight to start both... De- the two-way games there. Yeah, Clippers not, and Warriors are not, not good. I'm a big Steven Adams fan. I said last week that I'm here for Jeremy Grant on a super value contract. I think I like their wing depth between Abrinas, Roberson, Ferguson, and then they got this rookie, Hamadou Diallo, a uh, big fan there. He's played some serious minutes in he these is. first three games. I mean, he's super athletic. 
plays defense, real bouncy, can't shoot. Apparently no one on the Thunder can shoot right now, though, so I guess it's fine, <laughs> considering you're shooting thing. 24% as a team from three. Um, so, from my mind, they have the talent. The ball Dennis is not... Schroeder. The ball's Yeah, Dennis Schroeder, again, not putting the ball in the bucket right now. They have the talent. The ball's just not going in the bucket, and I have to believe that an NBA team with this much talent will eventually be able to consistently put the ball in the bucket and then realize... Oh yeah, now we also have to play defense too. You can't just like get upset that you missed the shot. Right. So I think it'll come around. Um, I picked them as a top three seed to start the year. So I'm not. So what you're saying I'm not is get your act together. Get your um, act together. Oklahoma but in City. the Western Conference, like you can't just be dropping games for the Kings, you know. Right. And especially after you had already started zero and two, you can't be dropping a game to the Kings. Um, but I still think they're a top three team in the West. They'll get there. And maybe this is the oh crud moment that Russell Westbrook's just going to get in some dudes' faces about and saying you got to pick this up. Yep. So I'm still in on the Thunder, but this Kings game was really disheartening and made me almost change my take. Uh, well, welcome to being an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Um, they it seems like they play bad teams super close, and then they play like the Warriors. So my second hot take: um, Kawhi's going to finish second in MVP. Might even win it. Depends on their record. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and I'm sticking with Giannis. I, I I still stand by everything I said about Giannis. But good God, Kawhi, he looked like he was in Finals MVP form against the Celtics. He was. He went for like 31 in that. Yeah, this game. This game's mine. Granted, he took all of Toronto shots, which could be an issue down the um in February or even next week, no. maybe. So, um, I think Kawhi will finish second in MVP. MVP. MVP voting, and there's not much else to add to that. Because I'll say it. one thing of like the other guys. So my number two, when I talked about Giannis being my one pick, was Anthony Davis. And yeah. so far, Anthony Davis is putting up a really strong case yep. for MVP. Him and I don't know Nikola Mirotic trying to take that MVP from him. But Anthony Davis comes out real strong. We've said LeBron's probably going to coast a little. I mean. Someone else has to get some votes. I mean, Russ will put up the numbers. James Harden, maybe. James Harden will put up the numbers. I mean, yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense to put Kawhi in that conversation, especially if that's how he's going to show up. So my my hesitation with Toronto and Kawhi was how engaged... Number one, how engaged is Kawhi? And number two, um, will they figure out this thing with Lowry and Kawhi and this trade? And will they get over it? And will Nick Nurse be a competent head coach and how is he going to handle this weird young roster with depth yeah. and Kawhi and Lowry as an aging star. Yeah. Um, there were just a lot of questions there and I thought they were the third best team in the East. This is kind of a second hot take. They're the second best team in the East. So Philadelphia is kind mm. of not, not surpassed quite, it. Not, not quite there. Um, and I think some of that's depth, but yeah, for sure. Um, there's some good ones. I like those. Yeah. So let's move on to the, that way. If I, if we're having hot takes here, cool takes. I guess sure. Okay, um, I'll start with one of mine because are a clear level behind the Raptors and Celtics. Okay, so yeah. you so, were kind of so talking about same... two. I had put Celtics one, Raptors two, Philly three to start the year, but I had them all in the same tier. I'm gonna be the most improved player, so that makes for a really nice combination. Now and then you get into Philly and Milwaukee, and you get Philly Milwaukee. The, the bottom half of the right. East after that, which is fine. 
But yeah, I'm kind of to that point where Philly just I don't I don't see what changed or yeah. what got better from last year. I don't know if any one player can say like I improved in this area outside of Markel's. I mean like I can play, <laughs> but like outside of that, like nothing in Simmons' game looks better than it did last year. Mainly the jump shot or at least a free throw shooting. Embiid, for him, it's more about staying on the floor, I guess. He's looked good, though. He's looked good. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely looked good. I guess his issues are long-term. Yeah. Can he be there for it? And then from there, you kind of know what Covington is, which is he's a good player. He, I, I don't know. He kind of, I don't know. He just hasn't. Been... When he shows up, he looks like a really good player who yeah. earns his contract. But then there are games he's just kind of in the corner. Yeah. So He's just kind of an eh. Yeah. And then Dario Saric, at this point, I feel like we kind of know what he is. Good basketball player, I not a star. Like I, I super... forget forget he's on the floor. I do. Time. I definitely do. Again, kind of that idea is like Simmons and Embiiders dominating the ball, and they say Dario should go stand on the wing, go stand yeah. in the corner, um, which is fine if that works for this team, but I don't think it's giving Dario the chance to improve. I'm not saying you should take the ball of Ben Simmons' hands right. and give it to Dario Saric, but you know maybe it's just getting him involved a little earlier. Some ideas like that. J.J. Redick saved the team. Like, he went for 31, I think, in they that win. They needed every single one of those. And he, they needed that. And a team that should be defensive-oriented, you shouldn't be giving up 115 to Orlando. I'm not super high on this team. I don't know where they got better. And it's kind of almost this Houston idea. In Philly, it almost seems like they didn't get better, so therefore stagnant. Me and Toronto elevated. Yeah. So they're in a clear tier behind those two teams now. Yeah. Um... I, one of my hot takes that I kind of trashed, um, I had like a couple, um, and I'm not a fan of moving on from players this quick, but and, and I'm not a fan of trashing players. Um, I, that might, I am. <laughs> uh, I, I'm generally for players, but one of my hot takes that I trashed was uh, uh, the Sixers should trade faults. Get it, but go ahead and sell the stock. Because, like, what is he... Are you willing to take a half a season of Simmons and Embiid to try to figure out what Fultz is? Or would you rather ha- go out and get a known commodity mm-hmm. that can shoot, prove he <laughs> can shoot in the yeah. NBA, and not put J.J. Redick on that? I think, I think he's 34, 33 or 34, but you don't want to put 30-plus minutes on his October. It doesn't make sense. No. It he doesn't should be make a playoff sense. guy. And... and and, like, he's a nice piece off the bench. I think it's smart to bring him off the bench, but you need a point guard. You need someone who can take the ball out of Simmons' hand to get other people involved, too, outside of Embiid. Like yeah. Saric. And it's kind of like how we've talked about in previous pods with the whole Luka DSJ thing. How they can both have the ball. They can both kind of split the responsibility. But it's that way it's kind of this... It's not a two-point guard system necessarily, but it's a two-ball handler system. Right. There's no second ball handler unless Markel becomes that second ball handler. And I think Markel can be a very competent NBA player. I just think it'll be best for the Sixers right now to take that next step and get into... I mean, now. it's as open for them to take that leap as it may be for any time in the night. Maybe Toronto can keep Kawhi, or if they don't, maybe Milwaukee just leaps them with Giannis right. and they're able... He's been doing... So far this year, knowing he has played in all three games, he's playing right about 26 minutes a game. He In three games, he's put up 33 field goal attempts. Only three of them have been threes. 
that doesn't help the spacing problems they already had. And in both categories, he's shooting 33%. Not good. He's only gotten to the free throw line twice. So a total of four free throws. Made two of them. He's only got 11 rebounds. Only has 14 assists. That's... That is not making it work yeah. at all for me. And yeah. so his points, he's only at 25 total points for the season so far. Yikes. He's at a minus 18 plus minus. Ooh, that's not, that does not bode well. Um, okay, maybe that should have been one of my hot takes. Uh, I'll add that I didn't really, like, I knew it was bad, and I watched, like, the Philly-Boston game, and, like, I was like, this is bad. But, like, I didn't realize it was... Like, nothing has come still the last two games, and they're games where they might have had a chance to kind of have a pick-me-up. Yeah. And he hasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's concern. I mean, it's tough because this is his rookie year. It really it is. is. And so, like, it's silly to say trade a rookie. Like, if you said that about Steph Curry, like, think about that. Like, three games into his career, into his rookie year, and you said trade him, like, I would look like an idiot now. So maybe maybe Markel Fultz finds his way this considerate. If someone called and asked and gave you a really great offer, you have to listen. Um, what do you have? Oh, so yeah, my freezing cold take. I'll stop giving hot takes. Um, it's not until after the All-Star break. So you're thinking like three months from now yeah. is when they... What is this team? <laughs> like, like I alluded to earlier, like Lance Stevenson, the flip side of that, he's airballing threes. Yeah. Lonzo's shot still doesn't look good. I think he's probably, um, and it still doesn't look pretty. He's airballed. I the more I watch the Lakers, the more I see airballs from him, and it's not like they're all that contested. Sometimes, sometimes they're fairly open looks. Um, LeBron looks good. Like he still looks like LeBron James should. Um, but like Ingram, still, I, like we kind of talked about earlier, isn't ready to take that. Like I am the second best player on a on a on a playoff team, and so I just think that it's gonna be awkward for a long time, and everyone's gonna be like, "Are the Lakers gonna make the playoffs?" Yes, the Lakers are gonna make the playoffs because they have LeBron James. Oh, for sure. But it, it's gonna take them a while to find their stride. Um, Lonzo's shooting a little bit better than expected. It's because I mean, parts they played two games, right? So he hit four out of eight against Houston. <laughs> oh, which, so again. We criticized the Houston defense just a couple minutes ago, so take that for what you will. He was one for four in their opener against Portland. The truth's probably somewhere in the middle. I would lean more towards the Portland game, but I get the idea that the three-point shooting is, at the very least, below average. And the fact that he said, oh, my shot, my form doesn't need work, is kind of concerning. I got stronger, so it's all good. Mm. Is it? Is it really, Lonzo? Uh... I mean, he look he looks fine in other areas like passing. Oh yeah, but they don't need more passing. They have the no. they have Rondo. They need shooting. So I, I I don't know. I just I think that it'll take a minute for the Lakers to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, give me your second cold take. This one again kind of goes along with my predictions for how the the West will play out this year, and that's this Jazz team is not ready to take the next step. Ooh. So. I feel like everyone bought stock in the Jazz this summer. And that was me. I totally get it. I mean, I'm on for Donovan Mitchell. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, he is a great young player. and Man he's, gets buckets. He's going to lead this league in scoring, I bet, at some point in his career. He's yeah. that good. I don't think, though, 
the level that people have elevated this team to already, I don't know if they're there yet. And mm. by that, I mean they are a top two, top three team in the West. Okay. So we've talked about maybe Houston's taking a step back. And so, therefore, they might be the second best team in the West by default. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know they had a really good game with the Warriors the other day. 81 when, points and a half. Yeah, I know. 81 points. So, this depth, I don't feel great about it. I don't feel great on the wing with this team. I've never fully bought into the Ricky Rubio experience. Dante Exum got paid it's like 20, 21, 22. But he's yeah. been in the league for what? Like it three feels like four three, four years. <laughs> yeah, because he came out real young. He was out of Australia. And then after that, you kind of got Royce O'Neal and Jay Crowder. You have Derek Favors still. Hey, I was on Jay Crowder when he was with Boston, and I think we traded him at the perfect time. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> and you still got Derek Fla- Favors. Flavors. Flavors. Uh, Derek Favors still kind of plodding around. I don't know. I just I haven't fallen in love with this team. Love Mitchell. Love yeah. Gobert. But I don't know if that makes them a top two or a top three seed that can really compete with Golden State, which is where I feel like everyone has them. So when I say they're not ready to take the next step, I don't mean they're a bad team. I don't mean they're a not playoff team. I mean they're a top five seed. I have them right now as the four. That's where I think they'll land. I think Houston gets regular season wins. Or you know, maybe you're right. The Nuggets get some regular season wins. They're talented. It's just not quite what everyone is hoping it'll be. Yep. It's like Rudy Gobert came back last year, and their record was just phenomenal. And then now everyone's just like, that's going to be their win percentage for an right. entire year. But there was a reason it wasn't like that before. It's because Rudy Gobert was hurt. It's because Ricky Rubio... It hurts because they didn't have great wing depth and took Donovan Mitchell a little bit to figure it out. Now, Donovan Mitchell generally has it figured out now, but it also means other teams have Donovan Mitchell film and can count us out to somewhere in the middle. Still good playoff team will still give whoever they have to face in the playoffs. And who knows, maybe a West Conference Finals. But I'm not on the f- idea that... He- um, I think that favors Gobert. Um, lineup is still something they have to figure out. Like, what is, like, who... I don't know. What matchup are you guarding against with that? Like, you're... But, like, I can't think of another team in the West that will roll out a traditional power forward and traditional center. I'd like say that. unless Portland decides to play Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. Something but, like that, but that's not, not a... Probably not a playoff team, either. I'll say I don't have them. They're, they were my fringe playoff team, so yeah, you're right. There's no great team in the West who seems to do that. I mean, unless you consider Oklahoma City with Jeremy Grant and Steven Adams, but even then, Jeremy Grant's not like a traditional center or traditional power forward, really, even. So that's where I struggle with this team. I just, I don't know what I'm going to get from them, one on an injury idea, but also just what if some of these pieces don't work out? The ball just doesn't go their way. You know, the shots just don't fall quite as well this time as they did last time. Those are just some general concerns. Three team. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so my cold take, my last cold take. Are, They're so fun to watch. They're fun to watch. I mean that that Miritich, like Julius Randle, like balling out right now. Going like, like 25, 30 points um, every game. Miritich, Anthony Davis, um, Drew Holiday, like that's. Etwan Moore going for twenty plus. It's kind of a fun team. 
But at some point, Etwan Moore's not going to score 20, <laughs> 20 points. Julius Randle's not going to just drain threes all the time. Probably not. Um, And, and like, they're not going to score 140. 49. 49. Um, you don't get to play the Kings every game, so right. that's part of it. I, I think they're a lower-tier West team yeah. uh, if they make the playoffs. And I, maybe this isn't that cold of a take because... It, it'll naturally happen, but I just think that injuries might happen, especially with if you look at the roster that seems to be a trend with some of the players. And again, no depth. No depth. Like, where, where do you, like, if Anthony Davis falls off, who's the dude? I guess Randall would step into the lineup, but then who's taking Randall's minutes? Right. And Jaleel Okafor, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's not horrible. No, he's gotten, in better, he's gotten in better shape. He can give you 10 to 15 minutes a game. But that means then Julius Randle and Nikola Mirotic are having to play 30-plus minutes right. each. And then you're having to probably play a little smaller than you might normally want. So, yeah, it creates a lot of concerns for New Orleans. So, uh, I just, I, I, I don't, I still don't love their roster. They could make a move and change that up. But Jalen Brown, huh? I'm not off Jalen Brown. I'm just throwing something out there. <laughs> See what sticks. See what sticks. Ice falling out of my freezer here. Uh, cold, <laughs> cold takes. Cold, cold last segment. Yeah, second yeah. to last segment here. So best worst case scenarios over the next two weeks, we'll be talking up on some of them. Don't worry, we're not going to do all fifteen East teams. Best I wanted worst to. Case. Uh, that might be a long form podcast, like <laughs> over the summer, that we just like whenever we're bored and we don't have very much. Yeah, to that's do. good with me. So anyway, dive into it, Matt. So uh, some of these, like Brian said, I will. Take just a moment to read off what I have here, but other ones we'll talk about for a couple minutes. So I'll just go in alphabetical order uh, by city. Sorry, the Atlanta. So best case scenario is they lose all the games, but Trey Young is an efficient scorer. He's you, had some good games this he, first week. He's had a couple good ones. The first one, not quite so much, but you know what? That's fine. He's a rookie. Uh, worst case scenario is these pieces don't fit together and you're not sure what you have going into your future. Yep. So that might be a theme for some of these teams. So this one will take a minute on. Best case scenario is the chemistry. Jalen Brown finds his rhythm, Tatum. All these guys just seem to work together real well. Worst case scenario is there's a minutes log jam between... Two guys in particular, and that's Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown. Mm. So we'll take a minute to talk about these two ideas real quick. So on the best case scenario with the chemistry working out, Boston has tried to do the starting lineup of Kyrie, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Horford. Fantastic lineup. I mean, that's as good as you can get in the modern NBA, I think. Considering... The idea of draft, develop, go out and get the free agents when you can. I think that's just like the most perfect lineup the Boston Celtics could have put together over these last couple years. And it could work beautifully, especially once Hayward's healthy. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown gets in a rhythm. Kyrie gets in a rhythm. Kyrie has not looked great to start the year, which is fine. Um, I'm not concerned about that talking about the best case scenario right now yeah i'm concerned right now um that they just kind of figure it out and then the depth uh shimmy ojale it all just kind of works together i think if they can understand like some of these dudes are trying to get paid terry Rozier is trying to get paid right jalen brown 
Jason Tatum, it's a couple years away, but Al Horford has an opt-out coming up. Kyrie and his impending free agency. There are a lot of dudes who are trying to you know get either that last big contract or that first big contract. Right. So best case scenario is they figure out how to manage all of these little uh, scenarios that could go wrong. Brad Stevens is just a master genius. I'm fairly confident he'll figure it out, mm. but it's a best case scenario is that it just works perfectly 100% of the time. The rest thing maybe helps that, you know, yeah. some days we know Hayward's going to rest, so Jalen's going to get a lot more touches, or Kyrie's going to rest, so Terry Rosario, you step up, you go get yours. So maybe some of that just naturally works out. So I think uh, kind of like on the dudes are trying to get paid, I don't think anybody's going to forget Terry Rozier in the NBA. No, like, after that playoff run, I don't think so. Like, I think he cemented himself to get a big contract, where whatever it is. Yeah. Like, um, and Boston might pay him, I don't know. Um, They've got to have a limit and say, this is our number, take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. Like, it, everything could work out that this team is just the next dynasty in the NBA. And like, I it, that's best case scenario, yeah. I think. Um, and that's kind of what you're alluding to is that they figure this all out minutes. Yeah. They understand, okay, it might not matter that I play 25 minutes in Orlando on a February night. Like, it's yeah. just not going to matter. But, com- like, playing playoff t- minutes and, like, how to balance that and, like, who's, like, we've seen Houston, for example, go from, like, a 10 man rotation to, like, a 7 man rotation. Yeah. So, what is that? People, because they're that deep. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe eight if you just say Rozier smart at the very least for Boston. So that's the best case. Worst case is enough touches or enough minutes, and Gordon Hayward doesn't feel great about the fact like a max player, right. and he has an issue with that. So I could see that being a problem. Far, I I like Jalen Brown in the opener. I haven't loved Jason or Jalen Brown since the opener. Yeah. He's just so inconsistent. And maybe that's he just doesn't get the consistent looks, the consistent touches, or, like, the playmaking opportunities. Maybe that's just the biggest problem and got to figure that out. And I like how Kyrie's trying to be a distributor, but Mm -hmm. it's not always to Jalen Brown. Yeah. So maybe that could be an issue that comes up, and then maybe that leads a little bit into trade talks. And I never love when trade talks start popping up in the middle of a year. With a young guy like that, trying to make his way, trying to get that first big contract, I just don't want stuff like that popping up. Quick, uh, best case scenario is your young players develop. Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, works together. Clarity at point guard. You have Dinwiddie, you have Russell. Karis LeVert's kind of like a point to handle that responsibility. And with so many of those guys looking for big contracts uh, or a new contract even, coming up here this summer and the summer after, there's just a lack of clarity for the Brooklyn Nets on what to do at the point guard position. So moving on to Charlotte, uh, best case scenario is Kimba is fire. Woo, buddy! So he's been on it so far to start the year, putting up 41 in the opener, and he's setting a new franchise record for threes hit to start a year. Mm. So I'm all for Kimba being this this monster. You right look, now. you also look like a genius with the Mikel Bridges pick. Or Miles. For, oh yeah, sorry, Miles Bridges, Mikel Bridges. I don't know. Mikel's still trying to get on the floor for uh, weeks right now. <laughs> Miles Bridges, uh, freaking coming in with what 15 points in the fourth quarter I against would say, Miami? Was that 
Or that may have been Orlando. I don't remember. I think that he was had ended up with fifteen and six. Yeah. So and the idea is just they're having trouble still figuring out a role for him right now. Which you totally get. He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Most rookies don't start off great in the first three games. Um, but Kemba just stays the leader of this team again, trying to just put down the trade talks of I'm a Hornet. I'm all for the best case scenario of Kemba being on fire. Worst case scenario is injuries between Cody Zeller or Nicholas Batum, Michael Kidd, Grillchrist, uh, even sustained success while their key players are out. Miles Bridges helps those ideas. You gotta work out. <laughs> Frank the Tank is barely getting on the floor right now. Uh, so, injury system, mm-hmm. you can't be affording injuries. You can't afford them at all, obviously, but especially in this situation where you're still trying to learn and a lot of these guys in you know contract situations, yeah, trying to get the playoffs which they should, uh, injuries could really hold this team back. I'm going to move on to Charlotte. Uh, best case scenario, Zach Levine proves... Chicago. You said Charlotte. Oh, sorry. Chicago. That <laughs> Zach, uh, go get Zach Levine. Uh, Zach Levine <laughs> proves he is worth his contract, uh, which he's getting paid a lot of money. We said that, almost $20 million a year. Whew. And I mean, it's really good so far. I've said it before. The jump shot looks good for mm-hmm. Zach Levine. It's the staying on the floor. Uh, and then the worst case scenario I have here, but you still got Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. Bang, bang. That dude looks like in a lot better shape. Against Philly, um, he looked really nice. He did. He had some really nice moves. And I know you can't say it's be Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. long term, but Bobby Portis is trying to get that contract. And so far, he looks like a starting power forward in the NBA. So my issue would be. Does that come up again, or is it a they're not sure what to do with Wendell Carter? Uh, they still have Robin Lopez. Do they handle that situation? Not that Robin Lopez is a problem, but maybe should you go ahead and try and get him for an asset, mm-hmm. or you know get off him for an asset? Uh, so just some problems, a little logjam there with how do they handle that situation? And considering they still don't really have any wings, you might try and figure that out. Yep. The next one we'll spend a little more time on uh, is Cleveland. Currently not looking too great. Um, sitting at 0-3. What, signing Kevin Love to a long-term contract? And then expecting Jetty Osmond to be your primary scorer. For some reason, Whoa. that's not working out. Um, so, we'll take a moment on this. Cleveland, best case scenario. You come out with something to prove. You're competitive. Or more you... than LeBron James. But you still lose. Yeah. So I've actually, I know they're own three. I've liked what I've seen from Cleveland so far. And that sounds weird to say. I uh, like that. With I, how it's going. I think we've talked about this maybe on the podcast and maybe just like in our casual conversations. I like the Colin Sexton pick. I think I was yep. kind of like kind of get someone in that point guard role that who's, I can go get a bucket of if you're going to commit to him long ish term. Um, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith guard to kind of keep it all together. Um, I like that. Uh, Part of it's Colin Sexton's not starting right now. They're still starting George Hill at the point guard position, oof. which, and he's prying more than this, but the stats say he's just doing the minimum. Yeah. You know, he's somewhere in that 10 to 12 point. I think he's better than that. Like, I think he is too. Talent wise, he's his better. His contract than that. says he's better than that. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm him early, which I think is worth something, but when he comes in, he plays hard. So in their three games, they've played Toronto, which full go or not, they weren't going to beat Toronto, but they only lost by eight. Then they played Minnesota, 
again, lost by eight. Yep. And then they had Atlanta today, so Sunday. Now they got kind of smacked by Atlanta by 20, but that was more of a defensive issue. They lost 133 to 111. Huh. It's like so, that that issue didn't disappear when you lost the worst exactly. best, play, best player in the league. So I'm, I'm here for giving Kevin Love touches. I'm here for giving Jetty Osmond some touches to see what you got. I think getting Colin Sexton as many minutes as you can, but not in situations where you're putting him just against maybe elite defenders, maybe trying to get him in on second units. I think that's all smart, and they can still be competitive. They can still try really hard and be like that gritty team. Uh, But then they still lose, and they're able to get those high draft picks and maybe build back up a franchise that otherwise is going to be in that middling ground. Yeah, middle, that's the worst place. I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but middle of the NBA is the worst place to be. And, like, if you make the playoffs in the East and, like, you're not a top-tier team, you're in that, like, six to eight range, yeah. that might be the worst place to I'd be I'd say because in the right draft, now. that puts you in the 16 to 20 range, and that's always, like, that weird area that no one is really sure what to do with. You might hit on someone. You got just, like, hitting recently. Yeah. I mean, what was Clay? Clay, I feel like he was... A- You're right. And so even, like, in the last couple years with guys like Donovan and Bam Adebayo, they're right close to making the playoffs or maybe they did but they were very literally the worst team. he was 14 but there had i think i was listening to a podcast that said there hasn't been an all-star like you're drafting guys that you're like maybe they're starters maybe there's not whereas with those guys in there or this is my developmental wing that range otherwise is kind of like we're not sure what we need you to do so just come be on this basketball team and do stuff right so i think that's a really dangerous place to be and that's what it has their worst case scenarios they're just mediocre mm. they barely miss the playoffs and they're in that kind of that 12 to 16 range. And I think that's like, which is a really terrible place to be. So I would rather them just come out, play hard, do all that stuff. Kind of similar to Memphis last year. Yeah. How Memphis ended up getting, I think, what, the fourth pick to get Jaron Jackson yeah. Jr. They were really mad about that, getting yeah. the fourth pick. So, but, you know, in that general range, like, yeah. no, you need to be a top five draft pick, yeah. I think, if you're a Cleveland you title team, yeah. if he fully develops and works out and all that. So I think you need to get one of those type dudes, not just... Um, it's kind of worked out so far. Uh, although Ish Smith had to save them against the Bulls. Is he MIA? I mean, he's, I think he's on the court. I just feel like they, like, signed... And part of that's been the injury problem. He just yeah. hasn't really been able to produce. But uh, for Reggie Jackson against the Bulls, he played 28 minutes, put up 18 points, had six assists. But it's like, it didn't feel like he was effective. Right. And then against... The Nets in their home opener played 35 minutes, put up 19 points on 7 out of 20 shooting. Oof. So the truth's probably somewhere in the middle there, but probably almost 20 points per game on relatively inefficient, below average shooting with a handful of assists. That's what Reggie Jackson is, and that's that's worth something, but it's not worth his contract and Detroit could be seriously locked into him, Blake, Andre moving forward. Reggie Jackson has this year and next year on his contracts. Okay. Still at seventeen and eighteen million dollars respectively. Oh. Yeah, no, it it was oh. a, it was an ascending contract for an average of sixteen, but we're at the part where it's over the sixteen now. Oh. So you you're paying a point guard who's twenty eight years old 
that much money. And he doesn't seem to do much for you. It almost seems like Blake or Andre with the ball in their hands is more effective yeah. for that team. And that's why worst case scenario, though, is that it just really doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Indiana, best case scenario, and wins. Okay. So That's a really good team. Yeah, it is a really good team. That's, you know, a top three team in the West. Being in California, and I can't get that <laughs> out of my head now. So, sorry, Mr. Case scenario is that... They were a top 10 team last year in the NBA, okay. winning close games, five points or less, three points or less, one point games. They were a top 10 team and were in the high 40s last year in win total. So maybe this year it's in the mid 40s. Maybe they're not winning 60% or yep. more than that in close games. And it's just because the ball just doesn't take that balance that you need it to. And it's nothing different. It's the same team, same shot, same looks. It just doesn't go in. So I think a worst-case scenario is still a playoff team, still probably a six-seed or better in the East, but they, uh, they're just not so clutch, and so it hurts their standings. Still a good team. Team doesn't change. Just hurts the standing a little mm. bit. Next one, Miami. Best-case scenario, you go get Jimmy. Jimmy and, Buckets. And you somehow make this go back and work. And I want to talk about this, and we've talked about it some, and I want to beat a dead horse here. But getting Jimmy Buckets so much elevates this franchise for this season if they can re-sign him the next three or four seasons and then makes it more attractive as a destination. Getting Jimmy Butler drastically changes the trajectory of this franchise Mm. more so than, I mean, any other move they can make really at this point, knowing that those higher level guys like Anthony Davis probably aren't on the table yeah. For this team, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Pat Riley's kind of like in that Danny Ainge category of GMs or just like executives and like don't put anything out of their reach because yeah. like, I just want to see Jimmy Buckets in a Miami Vice jersey. Oh, that'd be so nice. Like, those, we're, we're going to, I meant on this podcast about best uniforms in the NBA. Those are already like at the top of my. Jimmy Buckets, I think kind of. Like, that's a clear transition from the D-Wade era, even the era to Jimmy Bucket's era. Yeah. And, and that's a top 10 player, 10, 15 scenario, in a worst case, is, again, I'm taking the long-term view with Miami, is there's no start at L changes. And similar to Detroit, where they're just stagnant. Miami just can't get over the hump, can't make the playoffs, or barely squeaks in. And then the draft picks are just Not keep good. staying in that dangerous range yeah. of late lottery to early playoff where you're not getting a lot of great players. I mean, you got Bam out of Iowa this past year. Seems to be working out fairly well, but then you have Hassan Whiteside locked up with big yeah. money. So you want to play Bam, but otherwise you had a disgruntled star taking up almost 25% of your cap space. <laughs> Oof. So I think Miami could be in a real tough spot with all those different ideas between draft, cap, and then just not landing the free agents. Yeah. So worst case scenario is that they just kind of stay where they are and you'd get worse by default. One of the biggest, like, I think it's talked about a little bit, but one of the best coaches is in Miami and Eric Eric Spolstra, but he's only got so much to work with. Right. Like, I, I don't know like how much Deion Waiters is going to help this team win. I mean, he's a good player, but I just don't, like, at some point, you're right. You do need stars to win in this league and the Miami and currently doesn't really have one. If they weren't having to play Eastern Conference teams, they would have realized a long time ago, like last year, 
that they were needing to make a change. Yeah. But I think the East getting to play the Orlandos of the world so many times and for so long, they've been able to just prolong this idea that, no, we're still here. We still got it. Mm. And in fact, you do not. Uh, you surpass the Sixers, and you are that team led by Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this Budenholzer system is just rocking and rolling, and it doesn't look like unless you catch Giannis on a bad night that you have a chance against mm. Milwaukee, which is a very real possibility uh, for this team, considering that we both have Giannis as our MVP picks. We know how good he is. And if he's hitting threes the way he's kind of shown he can, that's a dangerous danger. It's like almost laughable how good that team could be yeah. if Giannis truly is this improved player, which it's almost like how could this guy improve? But right. he did. I mean, like, he's so much strong. Like, he looks stronger. He looks different this year than any other year. Yeah. And, like, his jump shot doesn't look horrendous. No, it is, doesn't. Which is something to be said. Um, I've, I watched Milwaukee when they were really bad. They came yeah. to Oklahoma City, and I watched him. And he's every bit. It was like, oh, my God. These guys, like, have the same everything. Yep. Except the jump shot. And Kevin Durant was ever as athletic as Giannis He's not. Was. I mean, he's not the passer. He doesn't mm-hmm. But it, it, it's kind of interesting because they're both that same body type, lanky, in terms of muscles. Yeah, he might be a bit more than Durant was. Yeah, maybe a slight bit. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of... It's, it, it, Milwaukee's fun. And, 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 and I'm happy, Giannis. They're, if you have league pass, you definitely need to watch as many Milwaukee games as you possibly <laughs> can. Uh, worst case scenario, though, is that they do not have enough time to gel. Mm. And therefore, they get maybe a bad seed. Or maybe not even Batsy, but a bad matchup in the playoffs. Maybe they draw the four, and then you know they win that first round. Or you have to play Indiana in the first round, right? And that's just like a nightmare first round matchup. Okay, you get out of it, and oh, there's Boston or Toronto waiting there, as opposed to like a Philly. So I think for them, it's more just they don't have time to get it together, get the system, everyone's healthy. Uh, Bledsoe, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, all kind of work out. And it just results in kind of like another one of those like just unfortunate wrong place, wrong time type of situations for Milwaukee. Yeah. Hopefully Giannis could overcome that. But, I mean, there's only so much he can do for this team. You know, it's going to be interesting to look back. I'm going to derail the segment again. No, go ahead. Um, the, so it's going to be interesting to look back in 10, 15 years. You know, there's areas of... Players and teams who just didn't win championships. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to look back. I think Oklahoma City is, like, with Durant and Westbrook, that was our, like, you can clearly see that was one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, what teams out of the East? Because I think we're going to see a change in power. I think one of these, I think something interesting this year, I think the Eastern Conference, and there's a lot more question marks, I think it's pretty set and so that Golden State's going to come out back in a couple couple decades, maybe, and see what teams... Didn't yeah. win championships. Board together the like whole we Toronto narrative of always having to face LeBron, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Number uh, two, Atlanta and Brooklyn, is that you have these young players, they get minutes, and you get another quality draft pick out of it, and you look competitive, you seem competitive, and nothing really comes of it. With Kristaps being hurt, I think that you should be trying to lose as many games as you <laughs> yeah. can. Yeah. To be completely honest. Just get honest. Kevin Knox as many, many, many minutes as you can. Yeah. And, and so, just... 
tank this year. And let that be. So, like, they lost to Brooklyn on the Karis LeVert play that we talked about. They lost to Boston on the Jason Tatum play. So, again, you were in both games. You were competitive. Your young players were getting minutes. They were getting shots. You could still sell tickets. You still sell tickets, definitely, for sure. You're in the game, and then, oh, darn, we lost. <laughs> uh, Give it the good old college try. Yeah. So, I think that's the best-case scenario for the Knicks this year. And then Porzingis obviously comes back 6-10 to 10 range. That's better than the early teens, obviously, but for this uh, free agent destination, you want to say, like, we got stars here with the best of what was left mm-hmm. after that first tier of guys. So I think that's the worst case scenario is you're bad, but you're not bad enough. For Orlando, this front court could work really well. And watching them, Aaron Gordon, I'm super impressed with him. I tweeted him out uh, from the Couch GM pod. Twitter account, he looks like a much better playmaker this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he's cool with the ball being in his hands and then not just trying to muscle his way to the basket this year. Between him, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, it's a really big front court. Um, not a lot of shooting, though, and that's the problem is this team, maybe they score 115 one night and the next night they score 85. Right. And there's no middle, there's no balance. But the best case scenario, front court works well together. They figure out the that issue on the spacing. Worst case scenario is that the guards just are so unreliable that you don't put those young quality front court players in good positions to succeed. And so you're just kind of left guessing again, again, what do we have here? Mm. And you just... Those guards, those point guards, because Shelvin Mack was their leader in assists last year. When they tweeted that out, like NBA Twitter just like lost it, just lost it. And so it's like you got DJ Augustine starting this year and Jerry and Grant coming off the bench, who no one seemed to want. So those guys don't put the other young studs that you have in positions Mm -hmm. to succeed, and therefore you're just not sure what you have. Uh, Philly, best case scenario, you have an established big three. Markel becomes what you hope he is. Or you trade for whoever that third person is, and it just works out beautifully. Okay, we've kind of harped on this, but... And then the worst goes along with my cold take earlier, which is it's a regression year. Yeah. They just don't take that next step. Ben Simmons doesn't fix the shooting again. Joel Embiid just isn't there on the floor. And the win total is still just kind of around to what it was, or maybe a few games below that. So I say Philly, they could take that step. I'm not thinking that they will, according to my takes. And the worst case scenario is like that actually comes to fruition yeah. for them. Well, the interesting thing about Philly was that extremely hot run they got on last year. And it was without Embiid, which yeah. is another interesting fact. Like They went on what, a, like... 12-game win streak, 12-0 or something. They were so hot against basically all non-playoff teams. Right. But they were so hot. And then they ended up getting the three. 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 So, like, I don't know. I think Philadelphia, I think you're right. Philadelphia still has a lot to figure out, especially when it comes to this false business. Like, it it could very well. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It, what do we it's do? It's now what? Like, we're not going to get a free agent to come because, oh God, Embiid has been hurt again. Yeah. And Simmons still doesn't. That's his time. Nice. Can Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid <laughs> succeed together? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Succeed being a winning, a champ- winning a championship. Oh, in that case, no. Hmm. I, I agree with you. Because 
Listen, like we've outlined on the podcast, Jason Tatum is a bottom, like he is legit a one for one superstar. He is going to be a superstar. Like he is going to be a household name. I hundred percent believe that. That might be a hotter take than what you had earlier. Yeah. But this dude is gonna be something, and with this NBA. You don't have shooting right now on your roster. Simmons, your star star player, is not a shooter. That's my biggest knock on him. Is like okay, and then your counterpart to that, Embiid, wants to play in the post. And your two players that you like want the ball in their hands want to play in the post. Yeah, what? threes are the thing with I, this NBA. It's like it, the only difference is Ben Simmons can dribble and pass. So it looks like aesthetically pleasing to watch them play still. And Ben Simmons just makes incredible passes and plays, and Joel Embiid gets blocks or, you know, just monster dunks and things like and that. And then trash talks and, on the other yeah, end. Yeah, and so, like, he's just really fun and everything. But, like, can they win a championship team? I'm going to make this comparison. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder of the East with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Right. They just could they'll, they'll always – they might get there. They might get to the East. But they're yeah. always – they might get to the final. team was so much more ready – I think than this Philly team would be. They're not there because they were super young still. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is there point earlier of like it's gonna be interesting to see in 15 years which teams won a championship and which they had two of the top maybe 10 players in the league for their era and you couldn't get it done. Yeah, you couldn't first regression your candidate. I mean, it's kind of their own fault too. I'm gonna keep beating this point. But it's, Nerlens. Nerlens, who's now on the th- uh, bench player on the third. Dario Saric is fine, but you drafted him, I think, with the ninth pick or something like that. Yeah, you can't miss that many times with top ten picks. And I get it, like, you were tanking to get these high draft picks and then put something together. Hopefully one of them sticks. Hopefully a couple of them yeah. stick. Two of them did, but I don't know. It, it, can't I, go two for six. Yeah. That's Markel Fultz, 33% <laughs> shooting percentage. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they're not making the finals ever now. That's confirmed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and move on uh, so we can get closer after this podcast. Up Toronto, best case scenario, and you actually brought it in nicely earlier. Kawhi is a top five player, and he looks like a top five player, mm-hmm. and he gets MVP votes. Uh, worst case scenario is Kyle Lowry. One, we've talked about he's getting a little older. And two, just off the court. Have you seen the video of him doing like the pregame handshake with DeRozan? With Air DeRozan Air now. DeRozan, yeah. So yeah, and just like things like that lingering, and Nick Nurse just not knowing how to handle handle it. that, and which is understandable. Like he, so, it's, oh, continue. it's just because Kyle Lowry is just such a dynamic personality yeah. that Dwayne Casey took a few years to get to understand how to handle Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's kind of the leader. Um, I think DeRozan was the best player on this team last year. But Lowry was the leader yeah. of it. And so maybe that's still a thing, but if Lowry's still doing this, it looks kind of weird that like it has we to don't feel trust weird. this franchise. It has to feel weird, right? Yeah, In that locker room. Um, so my, I guess outside of his contract... Before, uh, or got him from Philly before, yeah. Again, I think they should. I think they should try and get out Lowry. Best case scenario is they realize pretty much... Each individual and then the team as a whole realize miles ahead. Yeah, of them. and then you then you get into like, oh yeah, Milwaukee. Oh yeah, Indiana. Really brought what, up. what can you move off of? Exactly. No one wants the Yamahimi contracts or the Otto Porter contract, things like that. Um, so, but maybe they have those guys and they come together and they realize like we got to figure this out and they get a, like a five seed and then they're like, oh yeah, everything's great and they can prolong the inevitable for a couple more years. 
Um, so that's the best case scenario. Worst case though is that it blows up, but there's no trade. Like you don't get off of either Wall, Beal, Porter, Mahimi. You get type guy. Everyone just kind of walks. It, it just they walks, or you're just like, oh, this was terrible. Um, run it back. But then like in the off season, you trade like a Ryan Anderson type of trade, yeah. and then it's like it just makes your team worse, even though you didn't think it could get any worse. It yeah. somehow does. So you don't capitalize on the trail kind of high when someone's competing for a playoff spot, and it just it just doesn't work. Which not surprising that it wouldn't work. We already talked about that in detail the first two podcasts. Who's ta- like who's taking that wall contract like that supermax again? I threw out that trade machine, trade Butler and Teague for yeah. Wall, and just let that be fire Tibbs and bring in a new regime, but. I know, I know. Like that's the point. Is like who wants that contract? I, I like, I, and especially in a year that the cap is supposed to jump, and a lot of people are coming off the books. And everyone thinks they can land the next big free agent. Right. Every, everyone's going to get Kevin Durant. But maybe, maybe that maybe in the fallout of this, like they, they kind of realize Washington management realize, okay, Boston's miles ahead of us now. Philly is ahead of us. Milwaukee's ahead of us. And in the disappointment of landing not whoever, you move off a wall. Maybe the New York Knicks saying, like, yeah. hey, you, we'll give you John Wall. We know yeah. you missed out on Irving and paid like one. Exactly. So that could be a very real ser- scenario for Washington team. I don't really care to watch them, yeah. but I want to like keep, tr- keep tabs on them uh, as this year progresses. And that's the Eastern Conference. That's my best worst-case scenarios. For what I wrote down, just quick hits, uh, some of them not so quick hits, on what these 15 teams have going on and will have going on for the rest of this year. Nice. Um, so, recapping our opening game predictions, like I talked about earlier, um, we both missed on Houston, New Orleans, Miami, Orlando. Who I know. Could we have guessed Orlando know, was going right? to be Miami? And Mavs, Suns. I guess we... DeAndre Ayton kind of playing nicely in that first kind game? Kind of. I, I'm going to get into him a little more next week. Okay. Um, Matt, you went 10-3. and three. Uh, very, yeah. very nice record. Just those three games. I missed those three. But otherwise, I was red hot. I was near 80% on my hits. And then I went 7-6. and six. I'm middle of the NBA for yeah. that 14 to You're in that dangerous range. <laughs> yeah, you also missed on the Detroit-Brooklyn game, the San Antonio-Minnesota game. And then the Denver Clippers game. I mean, you're above 500. It's worth something. Yeah, I guess my de- like I look at those, and I guess Denver's the one who swayed me this week. Was the yeah? <laughs> they're they're the best second best team in the West. Uh, no. Um, so that that was from last week. We won't be making picks this week, um, or will we? Maybe. Do you want to do picks for this our game of the week? Oh, for our game of the week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, okay. So. Um, I don't know. We're going to the Celtics Thunder game on Thursday in Oklahoma City. We're yeah, both, we are. We're both really excited to go to that. Afterwards, on our drive back, um, it's gonna be a little fun little podcast. It's gonna come. Um, maybe Jason Tatum will just, go for forty. Oh my God, that might be a just real possibility. So let's pick this game really quick. Who you got, Boston or Oklahoma City? This is weird because my go is Boston. Let's go Boston. One thirteen two oh eight. Okay, I'm gonna pick Oklahoma City because um, they need to get a win. <laughs> or well, that's why that? my head is saying pick Oklahoma City. Russ is gonna come out on fire, and Paul George is gonna hit everything. Yeah, they kind of play to their to their um, the opponent, and I feel like they'll 
the I feel like Russ also remembers that game last year where they were up a lot on Boston in the first half and then they came back and yeah. won. Um, so I'm gonna say like one twenty eight to one twenty two. Ambitious, I like it. On the um, scoring because Oklahoma City doesn't play defense this year. Yeah, they have to score that much. One forty to like <laughs> one twenty or something like that. Anyway. Um, that's all we, um, best worst case scenarios like we did this week, which is going to be fun. We're going to talk, um, NBA couch GM pod for that second podcast this week, two podcasts this week. I like it. Um, and, uh, we'll be tweeting some things out from the Boston Oklahoma State game and throughout the week about our NBA impressions and takes and hot takes and cold takes and all that stuff. So thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for bearing with us. Uh, we will see you back on Thursday. Friday, probably, actually, now that I think about it. I'm not going to edit that that late. (laughs) Anyways, see you later.